Episode 40, Emotion Coaching Kids, Part 2, Getting in the Right Mindset. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters, and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are continuing our series on emotion coaching kids, and thank you to everyone for your feedback. I'm glad that the last one was useful. Last week, we discussed John Gottman's research about four parenting approaches to dealing with kids' emotions. Today, we're going to focus on how to get in the right mindset to effectively emotion coach your kids. Before we get started, I want to tell you about a free resource that I offer to moms. I know moms are busy and they often don't have lots of time to invest in learning new tools and strategies for parenting and emotional health. But I also know that most moms want to be emotionally healthy and they want their kids to be the same. So each week I share one short tip, tool, or perspective that can be read in about one minute. I call it one minute wisdom. Let me tell you what one expat mom shared. She was a busy mom and felt like her confidence was lagging. She had become used to telling herself that she would get up on time or that she would exercise or that she wouldn't eat the extra helping of dessert in the fridge during nap time. However, since it didn't feel like it affected anyone else, she often broke her promises to herself. One of the one minute wisdom emails talked about how keeping promises to yourself is important in building confidence. It explained that you should honor your commitments to yourself, just as you would honor a commitment made to a friend. She began being more careful about what she promised herself, and she made an effort to follow through more often when she did promise herself things. She noticed that her confidence began to increase as she did these things. You can sign up for one minute wisdom in the show notes. It's delivered to your inbox once a week. So let's jump into our topic of mindset. I believe that mindset is nine tenths of success when it comes to emotion coaching kids. Over the years, I have read a lot of parenting books and I've tried out a lot of parenting ideas, probably a lot like you. One of the things that I've discovered is that no matter how good my execution of a parenting technique is, if my mindset isn't right, the technique doesn't work. That's because as humans, even little humans, we are astute observers of emotions and motives. So even if my voice is calm, my kids can tell if I'm irritated or stressed out. And most of all, if I am disregarding their experience in order to get them to change for me, not for them, getting in the right mindset is essential to emotion coaching kids. The other day, my five-year-old daughter came home from school and uncharacteristically, she refused to put her shoes away and her backpack in her cubby. She started shoving things off tables. I was surprised by her actions and I started to respond to her behaviors. I calmly asked her again to come and put her shoes away in a way that would make any textbook proud. I explained that her behavior was against our family rules and I reminded her of our family expectations, but that just inflamed her fury. She yelled, I hate you. And she went right to the craft closet and started pulling out things to paint right next to the white couch. One of the reasons my techniques didn't work was because my mindset wasn't in the right place. 
Admittedly, I wasn't really focusing on her needs or experience. I was trying to get her to do what I wanted, which was to calm down and put away her shoes. I felt like taking her right to timeout. But instead, I took a minute to shift my mindset. I reminded myself that she probably wasn't trying to make me mad. She was probably trying to communicate that she was feeling terrible, and she didn't know how to do it in a healthy way. I reminded myself that it's okay to feel negative emotion. And while her behavior wasn't okay, this could be an opportunity to teach her how to express her emotions correctly, and it could be a chance to connect with her. So I took a deep breath. And I scooped her up and sat on the couch with her. I said, wow, you seem really mad. I am mad, she said. And with a few questions, the story came tumbling out. She had gone to school with new shoes and she was so excited to show her friend her shiny shoes. But when her friend saw them, her friend didn't act very excited. In fact, her friend didn't even think that they were cool. My daughter was so disappointed. Not knowing how to deal with the disappointment, she had stored it up all day. And it had finally come out when she came home. I helped coach her through her emotion using the process that I'm going to teach you next week. And pretty soon she popped up and said, I'm hungry, mom. Can we grab a snack? Absolutely. I said, but right after we put your shoes away, she happily complied this time. Having a healthy mindset about emotions is essential to becoming a good emotion coach for your child. It requires that parents are comfortable with negative emotions both for themselves and for their children. Some of these beliefs are a bit counterculture, meaning they aren't beliefs we absorb naturally in our modern society. But as parents, we get to be on the cutting edge of creating a healthier society for ourselves and for our children to live in. We get to be the change. First, I want to explain the difference between a stressor, stress, and behavior. These may sound straightforward, but I find that myself and my clients often forget in the moment. In the book Burnout, Emily and Amelia Nagoski explain that a stressor is what happens to us. For example, what my daughter's friend said to her about her shoes might be the stressor. The stress is the emotion we feel based on how we interpret the stressor. And the behavior is what we do when we are stressed. The reason it's important to differentiate these things is that as parents, we sometimes think that our ideal action is to eliminate the stressor. What we most often do is address the behavior caused by the stress. But actually, our most important job is simply to companion our children and support them as they experience the emotion of stress. Studies of kids in general, but additionally studies of kids, expat kids, show that children's emotional success depends less on how many stressors they experience and more in how much emotional support they had going through them. In order to move ourselves to a place where we can be the emotion coaching parent more of the time, there are five beliefs that allow us to most effectively emotion coach our children. Adopting these beliefs is a process. However, simply reminding ourselves of these things before an exchange with our kids can be a simple way to shift our minds to a healthier space. Belief number one, negative emotions are healthy and important. Our brains, especially our lower brains, are wired to think that negative emotions are bad. So if you're like most humans on the planet, you don't enjoy negative emotion and your brain wants you to avoid it. Whether consciously or not, most of us are wired to try to avoid or get rid of negative emotion for ourselves and for our children. 
One reason is that negative emotions do not feel good. Let's be honest. Who would volunteer to feel fear or rejection? Ugh. Another reason we don't like negative emotion is that we learn early on in our lives that acting on negative emotion can sometimes create negative results. Think back to that time in preschool where your friend had that toy that you wanted and you grabbed it away and got in trouble. It makes sense that we learn over time to try to avoid negative emotions. The very best place to start learning how to help your children deal with negative and big emotions is by examining our own beliefs about negative emotion and our own responses to it. So how do you feel about emotions like sadness, disappointment, fear, and anger? Negative emotions are important and normal. In fact, it is impossible to become a healthy person without some negative emotion. While negative emotions aren't enjoyable, they have a lot of important benefits. They motivate us to action. They stop us from doing things we might regret. They slow us down. Negative emotions allow us to question how we really feel about things. They allow us to grow. Negative emotions give meaning to our positive emotions. And overcoming negative emotion gives us confidence. Would you really want to rob yourself or your children of all of these amazing benefits? If we think emotions are bad, we'll constantly be trying to avoid them or get away from them or shield our children from them. Today, I want to offer that not only are negative emotions not bad, they're essential to good emotional health. Belief number two, emotions cannot hurt us. The second belief that can help us shift our mindset around kids and emotions is that negative emotions can't hurt us. Now, this might sound sort of silly. But sometimes as parents, when we see our children having a hard time, maybe they're feeling afraid, maybe they're feeling angry, we think about it as suffering and we want it to stop. We don't like it when our children come home and they're feeling left out at school. But if we pause for a moment and think about it, while negative emotions are uncomfortable, the emotion itself isn't dangerous. It can't hurt us. A negative emotion cannot hurt our children. Emotions are simply that, emotions. Emotions are neurotransmitters triggered by thoughts in the brain. Those neurotransmitters create a sensation in our bodies. That's it. This is important to remind ourselves that when we are at the height of a negative emotion, or even more importantly, when our kids are in the middle of a negative emotion, It is just a sensation in their body. While it may be uncomfortable, negative emotions cannot hurt us or our kids. Recognizing this can help us relax and feel less stress about stopping our kids from feeling negative emotions. Belief number three, emotions don't control us. Emotions are powerful and our actions are driven by emotion. However, we often mistakenly think that if our kids feel X emotion, they will do X action. The truth is that there is always a moment of agency between the experience of an emotion and their action. No one is compelled by an emotion to do an action. We always have a choice. Emotions simply give us information. Remember that our lower brain is trying to keep us alive. It's constantly pointing out threats and problems. Our higher brain, which is more rational, gets to decide what to do with the emotion that our brain offers us. In other words, we aren't at the mercy of our emotions and neither is your child. 
we always have a choice about how we choose to act. This can be so helpful as a parent because we can remind ourselves that this is the perfect opportunity to teach our kids how to exercise their agency when they feel an emotion and teach them healthy ways to express that emotion. Belief number four, trying to avoid or change an emotion usually makes the emotion worse. Processing it is the best way through it. Sometimes we worry that if we make space for a child's emotion, it will completely take over. But actually the opposite is true. Sometimes I explain this to clients by describing a Chinese finger trap. It's like a hollow woven cylinder that you put your index finger in either side of. The harder you pull to get your fingers out, the tighter the cylinder wraps around your fingers. However, when you finally learn to push towards the center, the Chinese finger trap loosens up and your fingers are able to be released. The same is true for emotions. When we try to get our kids to cheer up or stop worrying on command, or when we punish our children for behavior, which is really coming from poorly managed emotions, we encourage our children to repress their emotions, to react to them in unhealthy ways, or to distract themselves from the emotion. All of these responses are like pulling out on a Chinese finger trap. It makes the emotion bigger and it becomes more challenging to find solutions for parents and kids. Emotions are a physical experience. Researchers Emily and Amelia Nagoski in their book, Burnout, teach that this physical experience of an emotion has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Sometimes we stop the experience in the middle because emotions are uncomfortable. It's easier to repress them or react to them or distract ourselves from them. But those neurochemicals of the emotion take a toll on our bodies when they aren't processed through. Because an emotion is a physical experience, we need to complete the cycle of emotions. And doing this in a physical way, rather than just a verbal or cognitive way, can be really helpful, especially for kids. Processing an emotion is one way to do this. If you haven't listened to episode number four of this podcast, it describes this concept in detail. And it explains what happens when we don't process an emotion. It's one of the most listened to podcast episodes, and I highly recommend it as an important part of your journey to becoming an emotion coaching parent. It walks you through what people commonly do with emotions, why it doesn't work. And it walks you through the process of how to actually process an emotion. It's difficult to teach a child to do something that we don't know how to do ourselves. As we learn that we can handle big emotions, we begin to realize that our children can handle them too. Next week, we'll discuss more in depth how to help a child process an emotion, but it's important to understand the concept of what is healthy to do with emotion so that we're not expecting kids to make their emotions disappear on command. I will also link to another outstanding podcast where Emily and Amelia Nagoski describe five additional ways that you or your children can bring your emotions all the way to completion rather than stopping in the middle. Kids are often so flexible and open and willing to learn. It's the perfect time to teach them how to process an emotion rather than repress it, distract themselves from it, or react to their emotions. And finally, belief number five, negative emotions are an opportunity to connect and build security. I don't know about you, but when I think about connecting with my children, I picture us snuggled on the couch, reading a book or taking a walk and chatting. I rarely think of negative emotions involved. That's because most of us tend to think that a child feeling happy in the short term 
equates to a child feeling secure and happy in the long run. We think that if we help them feel happy, they'll feel loved. But actually, that isn't true. The strongest indicators of happiness in children in adulthood are children who experience loving connection, an adult who love them no matter what. How will a children know if they are loved regardless, if everything was always happy? They will only know if they are loved regardless by having experiences which are hard and knowing that they will be loved and companioned no matter what. Without this experience of negative emotions, our kids never get a chance to know what happens when things are tough. It reminds me a little bit of a butterfly beating its wings to get out of the cocoon. If someone opens it for the butterfly, the butterfly will often fall to the ground because it never developed the strength to fly from beating against the cocoon. It's in the struggle that it develops what it needs to survive. In other words, while it is so hard to watch our kids struggle with negative emotions, negative emotions can actually be an important opportunity to help our children feel loved and secure. And this experience of feeling secure when things feel hard can be more important to their feeling of attachment and security than any short-term pleasure they might've experienced by us shielding them from an emotion. In addition, as we talked about, there's always a choice about how we express emotions. This opportunity when a child has a negative emotion is a wonderful chance for parents to teach their children what they can do to express an emotion in a healthy way. In other words, negative emotions are a learning opportunity. So let's look at why these five beliefs could help set us up to help our kids navigate tough emotions. Recently, my teen came home and was frustrated about a project at school where her group mates were not doing their share of the work. Believing that negative emotions are important and normal helped me feel like I didn't need to rush to help her to avoid these feelings. While it was not fun to see her frustrated, I was able to step back enough to realize that this was actually a great opportunity for her to navigate dealing with other people. I realize this is something she's going to experience many times in real life. And even more importantly, I can help her see that while her frustration isn't fun, it's really normal. Believing that negative emotions won't hurt my daughter helped me to feel less frantic to get rid of them. I could stop worrying about how to fix the problem, how to make the group better, or how to make her able to deal with it better, and I could spend my effort listening to her and companioning her. I was able to use my own experience processing emotions to help her process her experience with frustration. It's really a quick and easy process, and I was able to think that this is a skill that will serve her her whole life to know how to deal with negative emotion. Rather than wishing away this problem, I found that I was a little bit even grateful for it because it allowed me to show up for my daughter emotionally. And it allowed her to know that I'll be there for her no matter what. I also was able to use the opportunity to teach her how to deal with difficult situations in a healthier way. We were able to talk through some different approaches she could take with her group mates. Do you see how shifting your mindset can lay an important foundation for emotion coaching kids? I can give you all the steps of emotion coaching, but without this foundation, it'll be much harder to execute the steps. These beliefs lay an important foundation. Once we have this foundation, emotion coaching becomes a natural outgrowth of our beliefs. So let me quickly summarize the five beliefs that help shift our mindset to a healthy place so that we can emotion coach our kids. Belief number one. Negative emotions are healthy and important. Belief number two, 
Emotions can't hurt us and they can't hurt our children. Belief number three, emotions don't control us and emotions don't have to control our children. Belief number four, it's possible to process an emotion rather than react to it or repress it. Belief number five, negative emotions are an opportunity to connect with kids and help them build security. For our expat exit strategy today, I want to encourage you to take a minute and rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 on each of the beliefs that we talked about today that contribute to a healthy mindset in order to deal with your kids' big emotions. How much do you believe each of these beliefs? Which ones are harder for you? Learning to emotion coach kids is such a game changer in your parenting. Learning the tools is one part, but learning to apply them can be challenging. I would love to help you apply these tools to your unique relationship with your child and whatever situations arise. Sign up for a free 30 minute mini coaching session at the expatmom.com forward slash schedule, or check out the links in the show notes. Sometimes I find that listeners don't sign up because they're skeptical that we will actually be able to do very much in a 30 minute visit. And you know what? They're right. We won't be able to solve all of the issues in 30 minutes, but my clients are often surprised at how they can leave a 30 minute session with a totally fresh perspective tools, and so much more confidence to deal with the challenge they came in with. I'd love to offer this to you. So go in, click the link and sign up for a free 30 minute mini coaching session. I'll talk to you next week. If you like what you're learning on this podcast, please share this episode with a friend. I wish that I had had these tools a lot earlier in my life, and I'd love to pass them along to more people who can benefit. I also appreciate when you leave reviews for the podcast. It helps me know my listeners better and understand what you find useful. It also helps the podcast grow. You can find more free resources to improve your relationships and your emotional health on my website at theexpatmom.com and on my Instagram page at theexpatmomcoach.